Golden Deer Productions. Golden Deer. Oh, oh, wait, was that not it? Hey, enter, just, you forgot to enter. Whoa. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night. This is Connor Hall of the Golden Hours Podcast, and this is a GDP Minute. It's 6.30 a.m. on Tuesday, May 24th, 2022. This is being recorded one day after the episode you're about to hear with John Scott. And guys, let me tell you what's on my mind right now. Let me tell you what's on my mind. Sometimes I get super negative when I'm talking, but I got to just flip the script. I want this podcast to turn into a booming ass business. I want it to make millions of dollars. Just being fully transparent. I want to make way more money. I want to build this fucking brand. I want to entertain the fucking world. I want to put creative people in positions to win. I got big goals. And with that, I need to make money. And this is turning into my business now, man. We need to turn this into a business. I've done it for four years. No bread. Tons of time and energy attached to it. Just tons of just value, 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 value out of the podcast. But now it's time to make some damn fucking money. And I'm going to document how we do it too. And I'll be honest with you guys about how much we make. But know what that means, man? I need your help. I do. I need your help growing the podcast. I cannot do it alone. It's very much my goal to get all the big producers, directors, filmmakers on this podcast and come through with that entertaining content for you guys. And I don't want to tax you guys. Maybe for gear, that's pretty much it. Come to my events, that's pretty much it. But what I want to do is I want to tax the big brands for advertisement. I want to make millions off them. And you know how we do that, man? We got to build an audience and a following. So if you guys see, I've been pouring tons of time into the video content online, tons of clips online. I'm editing those personally, and I need your help. If you guys get value from this, if you like this, if you believe in me as a person, If you think I got what it takes to really take a crack in Hollywood, I need to build this into a business. Please share it with a friend. Please. We got to grow the audience, man. We And listen, you guys are getting here at an entry level. You know what I'm saying? I know I've been doing this for a long time, but you guys are getting here before it gets big. But I need your help getting there, for real. So please, share the content with a friend. We got to build the audience. We got to build the downloads. We got to fucking attack. We got to stick it to them in Hollywood. We got to make the millies. I just need your ears, brother. I just need your ears and your eyes. Just I need them millies, boy. Well, this opener was way better than the one I just recorded. The other one was super negative. Like, oh my God, I might go broke out in Los Angeles. I don't know what's going on. Sometimes you just got to puff that chest out, boy. But guys, for real, please share it with a friend. Please. Let's grow this fucking thing. Let's do it. All you got to do is just shoot him a text. Shoot him a fucking text. Send him a video online. That's it. We got to get popping online. And I'm trying to get way better shorties. Truthfully. Why else does any dude want to be successful? They want to get with hotter chicks. What? Anyway, guys, this is John Scott's Golden Hour. My boy. Me and him ran an episode two and a half years ago. I asked him where he was going to be at in a year. Then COVID hit. But he's exactly where he said he was going to be. 
in Los Angeles with a booming business back in Boston, his studio, Phoenix Down, working out in LA with the biggest artists in the game. He'll talk about it. I try to be more targeted with those questions because I know people like that type of stuff, like talking about rappers and stuff, but he's working with the biggest artists in the game. He is in the industry. He's in those rooms. He's in that studio and um, really interesting interview, like hearing from someone who's like newly reaching a new pinnacle of success. Great dude. I'll be back with uh, some producers next week trying to, or actually I might have this girl from the ground things coming on. I don't know yet though. Anyway, all love guys. Share the content with a friend. It means the fucking world to me. All love. Three, two, one, said hike. Now listen, I'm going Hollywood mode. All entertainment nowadays. Selling my soul to the industry. But before we begin, who's in the building? Give me a shout. Killian Dillon right here. Next, Stephen Sorkin. Is it Anthony Sorkin or Stephen Sorkin? The name of the writer. Uh, Andy. Sorkin. Is it Andy? Yeah. Yeah. It's Andy Sorkin? Mm-hmm. I think it's Sorkin? Steven. It's Aaron, Aaron Sorkin. I think you're getting the last name. Aaron Sorkin, you're right. A.A. Ron Sorkin. Aaron Sorkin. Okay, and who's over here? It's Armand Zadie, number one podcast, podcaster in L.A. You're going to need that confidence to make it in the damn snake pit, Armin. <laughs> Armin, now real quick, this is just, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I saw you like our content at about 3 in the morning. What were you doing up that late, brother? <laughs> He's getting freaky with the content. Probably. We'll take it. And on my right, camera left, I have now a real longtime friend and an incredible audio engineer on the podcast for his third episode, John Scott. What's up, Connor? Let's do it. You're a great guy. You're a great guy, man. Can you, before we move on, give a quick synopsis of who you are and what you do? My name is John Scott, born Phoenix, Arizona. I went to Berkeley College of Music, uh, then started a studio when I was 22. Worked with uh, Crazy Bone when I, in 2015, Jeezy in 2017, Lil Baby in 2019, and then left for L.A. in 2021. Now... John and I ran our last episode two and a half years ago, and I sent him a video, like a, just a snippet of the episode before we got here today, because I had asked John on the show, I was like, all right, tell me where you're about to be at in like five, 10 years. And you saw a video, right? Yeah, that was, a lo- that was longer, longer ago than I thought it was. Like that was pre-pandemic, right? It was like probably three or four months before the pandemic. Right. Because like I, rem- I heard myself saying that it was, like, it was like 10 months I'll be in LA, but it ended up being like... 20 you know months so it was the but pandemic the, but the rest of the back. plan the rest of the plan you know stayed but every time we've run one you've all we've always talked about like the simulation and manifestation and like what you said so what he said on the podcast he was like all right 10 to 11 months i want to be i want to train four more audio engineers i want to move to la and i want to pop back to boston once once a month or so yeah and i want to be in the industry 
And essentially now we're in Hollywood and that's exactly what's happening. Yep. Now I'm working with Sweetie and I've met the who's who of all the big producers and a lot of the big artists. And it's been, it's been a wild fucking ride. It's been like a, an awakening, opening the doors into, like I said, the, the real deal. Have, have there been moments in the studio the past, like, however long this camp's been where it's been like, wow, this is like really fucking surreal. It's not a, it's not a camp. This is just the whole, the whole recording process, but all of it, so much of it has been surreal. Like you get to a point where you're so overworked that shit doesn't hit you as hard. So you don't get like nervous by it. It's just like, Oh my God, that's who's in the studio right now. Uh, let's make some more music, I guess. And then you get used to them being in the studio and then you say goodbye to them and you're just like, Holy shit. That just happened. Like, I'm going to remember that. You know, like, you know, they say you never know you're in the good times. But, like, there are, definitely, there are definitely times where you're just like, this is one of those times. Like, I'm in it right now. Have you, have you had a moment, like, where you've been able to reminisce? Like, yo, I remember when I was, like, in the fetal position in the corner of Phoenix down, not knowing what I'm doing. Oh, yeah. And now I'm here. All the time. Like, John, you understand, like, you're actually, like, in the industry. Yeah. Like, you're, like, working with, like, huge pop artists. And yeah. No, it's... It's shocking to me that it worked out. Like I said, no, like, not oh, it is. Like, How else if, would it have gone there's down? So many, there's so many ways where it didn't go down this way. Just like having the studio almost close at the very, very beginning when we didn't get enough business. And then, you know, deciding to not move to Austin and keep the studio in Boston. My wife had to make, you know, the move to Boston. Like there was, it was like less than 50-50 for a long time. So to me, it's it's like, it's all gravy now. It's been been a blessing but if you rewind that video that i had sent to you there was no other option in your head like you knew oh no at that was... point it was set in stone okay you knew i then. just mean like back when i'm thinking of like you know fetal position what the fuck is going on why did i start a studio to here it's totally a different situation you know so like, you don't think destiny is a real thing i have no idea destiny seems like a word that we used to describe things that eventually happen and you know everything has like you know cause and effect so whether or not it's a singular cause and effect or there's multiple causes and effects you know like multiverse or whatever and you get a bunch of different options it's one or the other i do think that if there was a supercomputer that could look at every single atom in the world it could predict the future you know what i mean so, like, destiny might exist, but we can't necessarily know it. So, it's just something that we use to make ourselves feel okay about, you know, the plot of our lives. I've just had moments, and this happened when I was making the movie, when the movie got put out, when I got here, where maybe it was because I had thought 10 steps ahead, like, that's what I want to do. But there are things that have happened that I've visualized in my mind, like, years before they've actually happened. Totally. Like, like when I was in the, I think you have to though. I don't, I just, I think it can be a separate, it could be destiny and it could be like how much work you have to put in and how much, you know, focus you have to put on something to like actually achieve anything. And so of course you're going to have thought about, you know, the thing that's going to happen for a long time before it happens to make it happen. Was there a moment before you got out here where you were like really on the fence about leaving? So mind you, for anyone listening, John runs a studio in Boston. Ten years now. Yeah, called Phoenix Down Recording. And essentially, it's like the hub for hip-hop in Boston. So 
he could have stayed very comfortable and stayed there and just made plenty of money running his studio, building it up and kind of being that guy. But he took a risk, got out here and excuse me if I'm wrong, but initially you were like, what the fuck? Right. hundred percent, especially with like the COVID shit still going on and uh, the transition wasn't the way that I was expecting before pre pandemic, you know, mm-hmm. before it was just going to be, I'm going to be hitting and meeting a bunch of people and, you know, expanding networking right away. And then when it was like a little bit of a lockdown, especially cause I was waiting for my wife to take the bar, which she passed. We found out a week, uh, two weeks ago. Let's go wifey. Yeah. Uh, the California bar. So it's the hard one too. Um, so yeah, I painted for a while to not go crazy. And then did some mixes for people, but it was like, I've told people just like a holding pattern for me for a little bit, trying to figure out what the next move was. And then once I did know, you know, once the timing was right, like I drove Caitlin to the bar, I called Big Bob and he was like this, you don't know how perfect the timing was. Like speaking of destiny, he was like, I, he's like, I got something to show you. And he brought me somewhere the next day I had a meeting and then the next week I was working with, you know, Sweetie. Okay. So clarify who Big Bob is. Big Bob. Kind of sounds like a porn star. <laughs> Big Bob is a legend in the game. He helped, you know, discover Kanye. He gave Kendrick his first uh, appearance on an opening for J-Rock. He uh, worked with uh, Keisha Cole. And uh, most recently, you know, he was Nipsey's uh, manager for a long time. And so there's been a bunch of, you know, posts that have come out since Nipsey died where, you know, he's talking about his strategies. Like Nipsey famously had an album, um, the Crenshaw album, that was yeah, uh, $100. Yeah, it was oh, $100. Yeah. Um, and Jay-Z bought like 100 of them and other people bought like 100 of them. But Big Bob is the one who showed him the book that gave him that idea. Um, what's it called? He's going to kill me if he sees this. 48 Laws of Power? No, it's 22 Immutable Laws of Branding. But I think the book that specifically that's from is by the same author of that book, but it's a slightly different one. It's like Contagious something. Now, where had you developed a relationship with him beforehand? In Boston? or? Yeah, so um, I worked with Crazy Bone when he came into town. He really liked my sound and wanted to work with me and that was my first introduction to big bob because big bob was managing him um is managing him and then i got to work with joel james a little bit we actually recorded a version of boot up for an artist before it came out uh with lma like five years four years later i didn't know that yeah so like that song joel had written like a few years before it came out like five years at least before it came out which is pretty crazy and so that was like my first close touch to the industry like to something big you know what i mean like the crazy bone album was in best buy so it was like the first time i made something that like was like seen by the world exactly you know so that was it was it was a rude it was a rude awakening for sure because there were so many things i wasn't ready for i'm so much more prepared now than i was then you know i was gonna say like for anyone like what has what besides your ability as an engineer like your actual skill has been the most important skill for you out here making the transition that you learn just through your foundation. The people skills are like 
so much of it because at this like level the audio the shit needs to be on point but the creation of a song is way more than just like making sure it sounds good like if the camera guy here were you know making us do 50 you know setups and we lost our vibe and then we didn't want to do the podcast anymore he might have gotten the best shot in the world but he like ruined the podcast you know what i mean so like you can be so good at one thing and lack other things that are like just obvious interpersonal skills to you know keep a gig there's a lot of you know strong personalities in this industry and you need to know how to you know manage and keep people happy and like you said just keep the vibe up how has that been for you transition wise like because you're an introverted guy like i'm not i i don't think i'm introverted but i'm you're not an ambivert i'm an ambivert for sure i'm like both sometimes i'm like definitely want to be introverted but then other times like when i'm in my zone and i'm like super comfortable then i'm like you can turn it on yeah what was the question how's that been for you i mean because like what i've noticed about la is it's just like a super social city like it'd be it's great if you want to talk to a ton of people and meet a ton of people i'm pretty good in the studio environment at least i think i wouldn't shine as much if i were having having to like go to clubs and like events and other shit because then i really don't know what to do and like i don't know what to impress people with or you know like how do you just tell someone that you're really good at your job and that you know you're could be valuable to them if you know they do music or something in a setting other than the studio so luckily the studio has been like a breeding ground for you know interactions and getting to get people's game and figure out little tips and tricks like everybody knows little things and once you'd like talk to somebody long enough they know that they know where you are in your journey and they're like willing to, you know, give you the heads up. When you go home after the studio sessions, have you been able to shut the game off in your head? Oh no. And is, Most is of the time. Not. Right with that? I mean, she knows that like if I struggle, she's struggling too. <laughs> you got to make that bag. Boy. Yeah, exactly. But like, she knows that it's like not forever <laughs> and that like, you got to get into a position where you can, especially in this industry where you can be high enough so that you can make enough have you know options and Leverage. be able to say no and all the other things so like right now i'm back in like in boston i was in that position you know where i could say no and i could i was making more money in boston than i am here you know what i mean because in boston i could charge Running a business and i could charge a hundred dollars an hour in boston and be booked up for the whole day and you know not get enough sleep whereas here like it's i'm just starting over again so i have to like make my name for myself and then i can like bring you don't want to scare people away with you know prices especially labels and stuff with this many hours so it's um i'm working a lot more to make you know sort of the same amount of money but it's for such a bigger cause that i know the dividends are going to pay off crazy so that makes it easy that's the only thing that really makes it so it's like how are you working this hard it's like because you know it's going to be worth it yeah, and she supported you this whole time. Oh, yeah. She no, knows. Caitlin's amazing about all this stuff. Like, I had to cancel a date with her. We were about to go on the date. Like, I was dressed up. Um, the, this Korean barbecue place that's, like, you know, fancy. Like, it was going to be, like, 200 bucks. It was going to be amazing. Like, her favorite food in the world. And then got the call. Hey, we need you. Like, hey, where are you? At the studio? I was like, no. And I was like, do you need me? And they're like, no one told you? And I was like, yeah. Fuck. So I had to go. But 
What are you gonna do? You're in the industry up. now, man. Yeah. Like so sacrifices the sacrifices are tough, but I know that they're gonna be worth it and you get more options the more sacrifices you make early on. Like it's tough to try to decide to make those sacrifices later when when you're not as in demand. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're on the ground, you're on the come up. Like it's twenty four seven. Yeah. But I had to deal with this with um, my wife when I was doing the business because part of it is that, like, you should have some more control over your own time when you are your own boss, but you also have to work so much harder anyway. So you don't really save a lot of that time. But by the end of my, like, Boston time, I got to spend a lot more time with my wife and, you know, I could set my schedule. You know, it was just easier to say no. And now it's just, like, we're we're back a step in terms of me not being able to say no and her having to be extra flexible. So I always have un, undying, you know, appreciation. So now that you're out here, first thing I want to ask is, yo, how long do you think you've been hitting the vape pen for? I quit smoking. No, because every episode we've ever run, you've always gone... Oh, I'm 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 like this all the time. Like, I'm I wouldn't be surprised if I was if I smoked while I slept. Um, <laughs> I've been hitting the vape pen. I quit for for real for real when smoking cigarettes when I was 23. That's when you were thick, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I used to 50, be burly boy. I used to be 50 pounds heavier. Yeah. yeah I quit drinking for a year and lost. 50 pounds. What's the studio environment like here? Like, can, are you boozing in the studio or? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right now. Especially with my nerves, like, it helps. But ideally, it. my goal is to be able to bring that down to where it's just, like, whenever I want to and not something that just, like, physically helps me. Creatively, is, too, or? Um, definitely creatively, but, like, my nerves are the thing that, like, fight me the most. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's, like, if I'm... If I have good energy, I'm making good music. If I'm nervous, it's not going to be as good. Yeah, is that is it a different creative environment here, though? Just because, for me at least, things seem a lot more transactional. Like, do you think you still created some of the best music out here, or you just have the best opportunities? The environment is at such a, like, a high level that, like, the music is fucking amazing. Good, no matter what. So, and it's just, like, you're working with people who are also just as creative and are like professionally creative so it's not like it's not transactional because they don't you don't know if you're gonna make a hit and get paid as a songwriter or as a producer you're just like going for it you know what i mean so like people are just like making as many good songs as they can it's not uh it's not like there's not there's hours it's it doesn't feel transactional at all it does feel a lot like the sessions back in boston just like the full day ones you know because every day is a 12-hour day at least and you're i've done a 24-hour day out here now it's crazy was it productive a lot of adderall i did seven songs a lot of adderall decent amount of adderall the the blue skittles Mm -mm. or the orange hulks the orange the 30 racks Damn, man. But I don't take I don't take a whole thirty. How do you split up a thirty? You break it up and like oh, put yeah, it the, in water. Oh yeah, the tab. They're not the pill. They're not the. They're not the. Oh beads. oh oh. So the instant quick hit. Always. You the know you used to call me Adderall boy, right? I've seen your film. What'd you think? Tell me you liked it. 
I enjoyed it thoroughly. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Me and Kill got to show you some of the stuff we've been working on out here. I'd love to get a cameo. Well, I'll tell you this much. There may be room for a war scene. If I could die. I was going to say, just you and Josh, Like I'd slice off both your heads. Oh, awesome. That's cool? Yeah, it'd be a dream. What about your, could I cut off all your appendages? Yeah, if you, if you, I think, I think the legs would be better because then I could just keep acting. But what if, if we did head. both, you'll still take the role. Yeah, but if you'll I do could, anything if to I be in the keep, If I could keep acting with my head cut off, that would be better. You know? Yeah, but then you'd also have a really memorable one shot if there's like blood squirting out of your neck. I'm trying to think of what I would do if I had my head cut off. You can't really talk. You can only blink. You can flex your biceps. Like twitch it. <laughs> Okay. What's the plot? We can't give that can away. Give, can you give the, the plot away? Can you tell me about all the songs you've been writing? No. Exactly. The IP. Protect yeah. the IP. Yeah, Protect literally. the IP. Yeah. That's one thing I've learned out here is all these, and this is something you told me, like agents, managers, agencies, like they kind of have the worst job of all time. If you're not a creator, like your success is completely predicated on someone else's product. That's why I think yeah, that but they have there's there's a whole nother skill set I feel like to being an agent and that I don't get to see. So it's like they have their own talent. I'm sure the good ones, especially at connecting people and making sure that their talent stays happy. Like it's not an easy job. So you have to be good at it. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. But inversely, it's like without the actual IP, there's nothing. Yeah. Shit, we didn't put on headphones. Do we need, why do we need headphones? So we feel like we're caught in the simulation. No, I like this better. Okay. I wear headphones so much. Yeah, true. Yeah. So next, Carpal Tunnel. Tell me about it. I'm feeling better. Yeah, you don't have the bands on or anything. I don't have the bands on. Like These sessions are really, really long, but I'm not um, melodining all day long. Like, you know, people use me in Boston for a lot. And but so but like, that, Joshua, that's your skill set out here. Like, that's your it, advantage. It, it is, but it's not all day long. Okay. You know? Can you explain what that is? What, Melodyne is? Yeah. Melodyne is like Photoshop for audio. It's like what you can use to change timing, tone, and pitch of audio, especially monophonic files, like okay. bass or uh, vocals. But doesn't every engineer do that? No. So Why? Because it seems like it'd be a bad Well, because Autotune does most of the work depending on, you know, what style of music you're doing. And so s some of the singers don't need Melodyne very much or at all. And then, you know, we use it creatively. Like, t the timing part of Melodyne is a huge thing where it just can do it cleaner than any other program. And you can see all the layers and you can see where the syllables, like, stack up. And so you can just get things more precise in it. Um, but a lot of people just don't take the time to learn it. It's a whole nother program and it's really expensive. It's like 800 bucks. So rewinding. So that was a very valuable skill engineering wise to Absolutely. have. Absolutely. Is that what got you in the door initially? No, but it helped. I mean, I don't even know if, I don't know who knew that I melodined until like a couple weeks in. And by that point I was, you know, already sweetie's engineer. Okay, yeah. So, so clarify. So, you get the call from Big Bob, mm -hmm. and he says, "What?" Um, Sweetie's recording process is starting. Show up tomorrow at three. You know, and so like I'm thinking that I'm going to be the only engineer, or I don't know exactly how it's going to work. But then there's more than one engineer, and so then I kind of like work my way up through the ranks to 
get to work with Sweetie. That took like a week. Okay, so then you show up to your first Hollywood studio. Mm-hmm. It's not. I mean, I've been to the. I've been to West. I spent like a month at, at Westlake um, with Jeezy. So I've. I've. You know, I'm pretty comfortable. I've been to a lot of the studios out here at least one time. I hadn't been to Record Plant before, which is um, where we're at. But coming off this drought, like, how are you feeling? Like, you're you haven't really been in the mix for like what two three months, and it's like, oh fuck, like you're right in the fire. Felt good. Did it? Felt great, especially after the first night when I was just like, I'm back. Yeah, and if, when people are telling you that you're killing it, you're just like, hell yeah. So I I some great people that I worked with right up right off the bat, and yeah, gave me all the confidence in the world. Now. I remember before we came out here, or before you came out here too, you're like, dude, it's in LA. It's all about like being in a room, like like you're in a room, and then then another big industry level artist will come in. Is that how it kind of works, or do you know what I mean? Or am I brain what you, dead? What do you mean? Like, I I mean you're I working am with physically in a room. Yeah, dude, I'm in a room right now. That's what I'm saying. He's in a room. Yeah. All of this shit happens Pretty in rooms. Pretty big room. Yeah. Some shit happens outside, but our lives are in rooms. But we ain't back outside. Mm-mm, not yet. <laughs> COVID, N95, N95. Um, no, so you're in a room, and then, like, industry-level artists just kind of pass through. Is that how it works? I mean... And like, oh, shit, what are you working on? No, So, but a lot of times in the studios, yes. So, like, uh, for when I was working with Jeezy... And there was a bunch of, uh, he was showing up for Usher, I think Usher and Trey Songs were there. And uh, there was a bunch of writers. That was the first time I met this writer, Jazzy, who's one of the writers I was talking about who I uh, ran into at the, at, uh, the studio, who's just fucking amazing. Like her voice is just incredible. I heard her on Davies' album. Yeah, she's incredible. Um, and... I got to record her and then, you know, I remember one time I was back in Boston and her management team hit me up after getting a recommendation from the engineers at Westlake because they weren't, they couldn't record fast enough and she was looking for someone who was really fast and they recommended me and I was like, that's fucking, that was lit. But I had to say no to it because I was like still in Boston. That was like three years before I moved here. You know what I mean? Um, But like the things that you can learn from working with someone who's recorded as much as Jazzy is crazy. Like I can pick up all the things that I can use on everybody else. Like I learned shit working with Trey songs that I still use in the studio. You know what I mean? So every time it's like an opportunity to like learn something from really, really incredibly talented people. So that's, that's what I mean. Like when different personalities are work are like walking in the room depending on like what the day is like and who's working with who, you know, you get to watch a producer cook something up from scratch. You know what I mean? They might be a producer and a songwriter and a bunch of other things. And you can just talk to them and, you know, they have a bunch of songs that they put out. You get to ask them questions about it. So it does kind of happen like that. Yeah. Especially if there's like, if there's time for me, like how shit happens, if there's like time in the studio where, People are making really, really good music. And then at the end of the day, you know, it's just me and the producer or whatever. And now we're basically like been hanging out for eight hours and can shoot the shit. Like that's the time when like, you know, some of like the most fun studio interactions happen. Do you feel like reinvigorated right now? Like, 
you know, on the grind, like you can just feel like you're hacking the same tree over and over. And I'm sure there are times in Boston, you're like, dude, nothing's like growing or moving. Like this is cool, but yeah, it's definitely, a, it's, I definitely feel reinvigorated and like have more self belief again. Cause like you just go through cycles where you're like, do I believe in myself too much or not enough? You know, like, am I pushing too far? Am I hoping for too much? And then, you know, something works out and you're like back to where your last peak was and you renew that cycle of like hope and how far you think you can go until the next, you know, dip. But like knowing a dip is always coming is like helpful to me because no one is on a constant peak. There's never been a person who's on, been on a constant peak. Like after a, a movie drops, every director has that same feeling you know what I mean? Unless they're doing like another movie right on top stacked and they know it's going to be good, which no one really can. You always have like the next thing is. It's a sick, twisted game. That's why I don't want to direct. Yeah, it's fun being in the middle of something really big because like you're still in the middle of it. Yeah. But then starting that shit but over. But starting it over oh. is really agonizing. I know, but also like opportunity wise, are you thinking bigger picture now? Are you able to do that? Oh, yeah. You can. Yeah. You Like you think there's more. Yeah, but I'm in, like, a sponge phase, like I've been saying. Like, I'm now that I'm, like, in the room, like you were saying, and even before this series of, like, I was working with um, uh, a female artist, singer uh, from London, and there was a bunch of songwriters and lit producers, and it was still just, like, a totally different experience than what I had experienced as of yet, you know, up until, like, those 10 years and I was like, oh, this is going to be different. This is just like a different level and a different yeah, style of care that you take working on each record. And in Boston, there's just not enough people to where that gets to happen a lot. There's not enough people who've done it to where there's like the confidence in the room and the know-how and the connections in the room to where you're like, oh, this song we're working on right now might actually like end up on the radio. What's it like working with like actually famous people now? It's cool when it's cool and sometimes people aren't that cool and you're just like, uh, that was okay. You know, so it's it's a little bit just like how it is in Boston where some people are like really excited. The only difference is that like if you know someone's coming and you have expectations or you, you like their music or you don't like their music or whatever it is, you just know a little bit more coming in. Whereas like before it's a mystery whenever someone new comes in. But um I don't get as nervous as I used to, but I think part of it is like being exhausted, which helps. It's just work, right? Yeah, but until it's until it's something where like you're so solidified that nothing can go wrong or that like you can take a lot of hits, you just want everything to go right. So like that's where the nerves come from, just like making sure people are happy and people have high expectations when they're that big. Being around like truly successful people industry-wise has it changed your financial goals it's like oh shit i actually like am in a position where i could make a million dollars a year i could make 10 million i don't know if it's changed can i speak from my perspective first sure i walked through some incredible homes with a real estate agent out here in calabasas and i had these moments where i'm walking through these homes he's trying to sell them and he was like yeah, this one's like 10.6 million. I sold that one up the street to Howie Mandel, et cetera, right? 
And I'm like, it's actually unbelievable people live like this. Like, I'd never actually seen that or touched that, you yeah. know? Has it been similar for you? Um, Jeezy was the first time that that had happened, you know, because he, his studio's at a mansion in Atlanta, and I've gotten to record at a mansion in Miami with him that's mm -hmm. like a $7 million place. And so that does open your eyes up to some of the other you know, side of the world. I don't necessarily think it's changed what I want. I do want enough space like in my house and shit to like do what I want and maybe build a studio. But also now like working out of all the big studios, I could see not wanting to have a studio at my house and just working, you know, out of studios. And then that would really change how much space I need. But I don't know. I don't know if I need an insane amount of money you know elaborate i would invest it like i would just keep building shit mm -hmm. like i don't need a 10 million dollar house probably like i don't i don't think my wife would be down with that either there's too many people without to justify it i agree yeah but also other end of the coin the more you make the more you can give away that's true but that's what I'm saying. I'd, I'd probably, I'd probably just invest it though, in like something that keeps generating. Materialistic wise. Yeah. But you did buy a six hundred dollar Balenciaga shirt. Seven. You're gonna call. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta take it too. Hey, what's up, Aaron? Okay. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm already on the way. I'm just gonna grab the drives and bring them home, and then start okay. and start. I already found a couple Warner Chapel folders, um, but I'll I'll find the rest so that they can be happy. Okay, great. Okay. Thank you so much, man. All right. I'll be in touch within the next couple hours. Perfect. Bye. Okay. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> I knew it was gonna happen. But I, like that's that's the other thing is like I can't. You can't I, say no. I can't say no. I understand. Yeah. There's only a few there's only a few numbers, but But when Aaron calls. Oh, I, you see that you see your emoji? No, but I am, I am seeing like Look at Biggie. Is this Elon Musk's phone? This thing's insane. This is Biggie. She's got the trophy. She's got the trophy. She's coming through with those checks. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. All right, first baller check, where are you going? Malibu. Really? No, I think I might be going to Malibu anyway, though. Nobu. Nobu. Been out there yet? No. Are you really good? Nobu. Come on, man. Uh, I've not had it. Yeah. Unfortunately, I'm not in that tax bracket yet. How much is Nobu? Quite expensive. Is it like $300? I think minimum. Oh, shit. Per sitting. Okay, so I'll probably won't. I got I to gotta save up even more money. Have you been able to enjoy LA yet? Not yet. But I enjoyed, I love working out in LA and I love the weather. So, working out or like working? Oh, out? you've never seen me work out. I saw you do yoga. Yeah, it's not working out. Um, yeah, just work, <laughs> working out of studios, not working out, working out. How does the Celsius compare to the Red Bull electricity you normally have pumping through your veins? I slept really good this weekend. Like, I slept for like 24 hours. And then you picked up the phone at 4 p.m. Yeah, I was asleep when you called like that second time too. Holy shit! 
I was still asleep. I was like, I'll pick up though. I gotta wake up. Okay. But you were gonna say. Um. So I feel I feel not tired. Normally I would have had a Red Bull again by now. This is way more high powered than Red Bull. This is far energy. More, yes, far more high. So that's why I'm not tired. Well, it sounds like you're only about a quarter of the way through it. Red Bull has nothing on Celsius. Do you guys are you guys sponsored? I would love that. Sponsor. Now you are. It's kind of like a, a, a feminine drink. That's who they market towards. Oh, okay, tastes good. But buff alphas like me. Here's a good question for you. Okay. I'd like to hear your perspective on this. You're like career successful. Okay. You are. Yeah. You're young. You know what I'm saying? You can turn knobs the rest of your life. What? That's the goal. But if someone saw you, they wouldn't be like, that's an alpha right there. They'd be like, that dude must live in Silver Lake. Yeah. <laughs> now, what are your thoughts on alpha versus beta males? Is it a real thing? Is it a spectrum? Um, I don't think it's a real thing because the premise of it's from alpha wolves and it was found to not be real. The guy who wrote the book has spent the last 30 years campaigning against his own book and trying to get his own publisher not to sell it. Really? Yeah. So if you look into it at all, the alpha pack is the alpha wolf is not a real thing. And the wolf that they were seeing or whatever is, was, is like part of, it's like a fan. They're like a family unit. It's not an alpha situation. Okay. So wait, this dude, there was some man who wrote about wolves and said there's so one lead the wolf. book alpha alpha wolf or uh alpha male that sparked this whole thing where people call people alphas uh scientists like renounced it and it's like please don't use it anymore but you can't refute the fact that there are obviously men who are like but people can self-describe it doesn't have to be an actual thing like if we're trying to say is it a real scientific thing or is it something people you know like put on to themselves it's something we put on to ourselves it's a societal thing mm -hmm. you know not a genetic thing I, don't I do think it's a spectrum though i think if it's a societal thing then definitely then there's a spectrum of where you would but you, you know, think biologically but i don't think alpha i don't think like alpha people are like the people who are like successful i think that's like i would put people who like self-describe as alpha as like people who are try to like dominate and that isn't necessarily like what makes everybody successful, especially in different fields. You know? There is a correlation, though. I'd say. I think people who are yeah, but you naturally find, people are naturally more aggressive are but you usually more successful. Maybe in certain things of business, but you won't find that in like music. You won't find like the per, like the biggest producers aren't like alphas. The biggest artists aren't. But you're low key pretty aggressive, bro. Like you are constantly building the studio. Constantly. Yeah, but it doesn't necessarily mean that. It's not the same aggressive where I'm like in competition with somebody else. It's just comp self competition. Yeah, but how are you gonna tell me you didn't get out here and you were like, "Yo, I can fucking wipe the floor with these guys." You That's true, <laughs> but it doesn't it doesn't necessarily mean that I feel like I embrace the alpha ness. You know, like I feel like everyone could, with the right you know training and like someone said, the only skill an artist have is the desire to create, and I thought that was cool. I don't know if it's true. Because I think that there are other things that, you know, we describe as like talents that, mm -hmm. you know, people are born with that they have no control over. But then most of it is just skills that we develop. So like if you like if 
if you look at me 10 years ago, I sucked as an engineer. So it's like, but you had looking, drive, right? Exactly. And so looking at anybody else who right now isn't doing the things that I think that they, you know, could be doing in the future, it's just like the part of they're in a part of their progression. Have you heard of Ray Dalio? Do you know who he is? Mm-mm. It's like a famous investor finance guy, and he had this perspective like, you should compete at the highest level because it's essentially we're on here to move the ball forward for all of humankind. You should compete at the highest level because that's how you make the most progress. I've been thinking about that a lot lately. I'm like, that's a good-ass point. And then the universe will will reward you based on how many risks you take successfully. So there's a thing in bands, like when you're doing music, that they tell you if you want to get better, be the worst person in your band because then you're playing with all better people and you'll grow way faster than if you're the best person in your band. You know, so it's like, putting yourself in that position of weakness almost is like how you get stronger. Just like how you, you know, tear your muscles up, make them weak so that they regrow. Same shit. Is that how working out works? I usually just stick something in my butt and it makes me. So you, oh, you just do voided. Yeah. It's yeah. That's so much easier. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Way more effective. Um, okay. I know you got to run. Kill. You got any questions for big J dirty? It wasn't interesting. You were incredibly interesting. I, I could listen to you for hours. Oh, I appreciate that. <laughs> He's a charlatan. No, man, I'm, I'm digging this whole conversation because, uh, you know, I, uh, I'm a writer. Like, I like to be by myself. Mm-hmm. I like to be in the rooms. I'm, I don't have what Connor has. Like, I can't go out and talk to people all day and meet all these people. So I, I yeah, Connor's got a unique skill. Yeah. You have a unique ability to like you said if there was if you do self-describe as alpha i could i can see it you know what i mean but i'm also surprisingly i actually think i'm really just an entertainer and i just understand how to entertain in certain aspects in different situations honestly that's really all i think yeah you're pushy in a way that like makes people feel like you want to get the thing done not in a way that feels like you're trying to manipulate somebody else and i think i feel like that like you have so much motivation that you get other people to do stuff because they're like, oh, this guy's gonna, this guy's gonna go places. He's gonna do something. That's what I saw. That really made my day, man. Oh, good. Actually, if you ask John, the first time I met him, like I had run like six episodes of the podcast. I was like, dude, I'm running the biggest podcast in Boston. We need to do it here. It's gonna blow up. The guy's like, all right, man, relax. Hey, it's true. You did it though. Here we are, brother. Right now, two more you things. You made a movie. I did. I'm making another one. And I hope to make a bunch more. That's what I'm doing using the podcast for. Yeah. I want to meet all the producers, all the directors, all the decision makers. Because I want to make projects. Have you thought about doing shorts? Short film? Short films. If you ever think about doing shorts, like something in a, in a thing, I would love to... John, the next step is like a real Hollywood movie. I'm saying like Black Mirror, like episodes. Oh, like, no, yeah, no. Scripted like series, absolutely. Yeah, like something short though, something like where you can do like random shit. But have it variety. Yeah. You just need the I just want to get in on one of those just, one day. Well, Kelly and I were talking yesterday. I would love to do an animation cuz you can yeah. manipulate the content however you'd like. Yeah. I just got some crazy ideas. We know. Tell us one. Three, two, one. An alien discovers that he's really a robot. And then? Calamity ensues. 
Does he hit the vape? Okay. A robot discovers that it's really alive. And what's everybody else? They're real too. You know? Yeah. So imagine <laughs> imagine you're you're like Iron Man and you realize that like your suit has a body underneath it and you're not a robot. Do you see what I'm saying? It's a great plot. I'm not fully following that one. You'll have to cut it. But I know you're you execute, so whatever's on your brain, I'm sure we can pull it off. I'm gonna draw it for you. Sonically, I would like to get you involved with the next one. I would love it. You were busy on the last one. I was super busy. We'll show you after. We'll show you what we're thinking of. And I'll show you some cool stuff. You're gonna look at the VFX and like, yo, what the fuck's wrong with this guy? Um second to last point. Uh tell me about the crumb project real quick. Because I know there's a gazillion Crumb fan. So Crumb is in the process of writing their new shit, and it's going really, really well. I'm talking about you specifically, though. That's what I mean. So like we just recorded some demos. They've been writing, and then the next step is going to be probably album phase. So they just finished tour. It's up to them now. I'm waiting for a call, and then we're going to get back in the studio. Cool. Last point. We'll run one back in a year and then in five years, just like we did in the last episode. Tell me what's happened. Tell me what you have accomplished and tell me what you'd like to accomplish. Tell both? I really actually want you to take a moment with this because what I've been noticing with podcasts is like this is going to be a document for your grandkids. Yeah. So really think about it. So wait, what I have accomplished? Five years, what have you accomplished? And then we'll do- What have I accomplished in the past five years? So we play this in five years. Saying hi to the simulation. What's up, brethren? Where are you? What have you done? Oh, in five years, what have I done? Okay, in five also, years. So say what's up to your grandkids. Yo, grandkids. I, this is the one thing I want you guys up, to know about me. numbers one through six. You have just six? Pretty small family. I don't know. Grandkids. The one thing I want you guys to know about me is I'll never give up on anything, and I never gave up on anything. But I didn't always have it figured out. You won't either. Go ahead. Okay. Five years. We got... I'm going to go with three Grammy nominations, one Grammy win. I want to hit number one three times. I want to break an artist. I want to have a, an artist that no one's ever heard before, that my recordings get heard to the world first. And I want to get like three of my engineers out here. At least. Five years from now, five engineers out here. Okay. Great. That's documented. Next, pet in a year. What's up? I'm going to go with one Grammy nomination, one number one. And that's enough. Platinum plaque? 
Yeah. Definitely one. I gotta order some platinum packs. I'm, I'm very, very close to getting my credits cleared with QC for the little baby sh- shit. The baby putting on for the yeah. city. Yeah. There's there's like four of them. Phone down. You need to get that marketing wise for the studio. You need that. Yeah. Phone down forever. Hurt. And the baby one. Yeah, those numbers are ridiculous. Yeah. It's insane. Also, hopefully Millie's has one soon. Millie's four days. Four more days. Talk about fucking grind. Yeah, right? Yeah, like, people to believe in, and, yeah, how much someone wants it is based on, like, how hard and how consistent they work for it. Like, And not overthinking, just executing. Yeah, exactly. Because, like, you can, you can overthink for months what you can find out through a failed execution in a week and then just regroup and do it right the next week. He's been an incredible lesson on momentum. Yeah. Like, I study it meticulously like. i remember him having twenty five thousand uh, followers one year and then making a note that the next year he had 50 and then sure enough the next year he had 100 and then the next year he had 200 like i've never seen someone be like more just consistent with how their fans he's not like a viral thing He's just getting consistent fans who really fuck with his, like, catalog. Hammered his brand. Yeah. Hammered his brand. Like, yo, I'm the white dude who's street yep. and can freestyle. Yep, and isn't faking it. Like, born into it. Like You know. Yep. It's pretty crazy seeing, yeah, some of his friends, like, I've seen just pictures when they were, like, 10 years old. And he's like, this is... And we're just chilling in a mansion now. And I'm like, this is outside of a Project 8 housing thing. And I'm just like come a fucking long way just hammered it man just can so consistent because mind you when, i don't know when we shot the movie when i killed him off but must have been 2020 what was the first thing that really moved what was that first in like 2020 it had just happened the um, g herbo song was big i remember that Feelings was the first one I thought. Maybe it's not called that. No, it was one of those LA Leaker freestyles or something like that. It was one of those freestyles. You'd have to ask him because there's a few uh, where, you know, he'll say that he had the opportunity to, like, you know, get it to blow up. But it's not cheap to do all the stuff that you need to to, you know, get DJs to play and get it to have enough promotion to, like, take it to that next level where it's, you know, getting radio streams. Um but now that he's had like so many songs go over a million, like I remember when he was just like, how hard do I have to work to get a song to go over a million? And now he's had like four this year that went over a million. Yeah, it's inspiring. Yeah, he's had he, like, one go in a million, go over a million in like two weeks or something. He's a beast. And another thing I'll say is he didn't let, like, he didn't let himself feel like he was getting aged out either. No. When a lot of dudes would. Yeah, a lot of people would have started coming like up with a plan B when he was just getting better and better at it. Like Nipsey said, like, how far away are you from where you came and are you closer to where you want to be than where you started? And if so, keep going. I've seen that TikTok. I think I saw it yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> okay. This is how we start and end the, ep- end, end the episodes. Okay. This is how we start and end the episodes. You know. You've done it like four times. Armand, thank you. Killian, thank you. Um, hi, your name, and this is my golden hour. Hi, your name, that was my golden hour. You don't remember this? I do. Okay. Hi, my name is John Scott, and this was my golden hour.
Hi, my name is John Scott, and that was my golden hour. Live from L.A. And look at my bicep. All right, Armand. Thank you, bro. We're good. Did I do this? Golden Deer Productions. Golden Deer. Oh, oh, wait. Was that not it? Enter. Just you forgot to enter.